Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by West Holm. We all know from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. West Holm, which is based in Queensland in the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. West Holm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code. A lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant. AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. Hello and welcome to Savor, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about M&M's. <laughs> yes, M&M's. Not a sponsor. Nope. Nope. Uh, nope. But as this comes out, it is the first day of October. It is. And so our Halloween programming has begun. <laughs> it has commenced. <laughs> <laughs> it never like officially ends. We just kind of. Yeah. Yeah. We lessen our <laughs> our horror episodes and references. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Both of us are very much, if y'all could not tell, uh, a yeah. very much Halloween is every day kind of humans. So. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. In a lot of ways. Uh-huh. <laughs> but this is the month where it's, you know, kind of acceptable. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we lean into it immediately. <laughs> immediately. Uh, yeah. Lauren was on the ball. She's like, okay. It's October 1st. Let's come in with one of your five Halloween candies you've got to have. Which, yes, M&M's, and specifically M&M peanuts. Okay, okay. Are one of the five Halloween candies that I have to find. I cannot purchase them. You You have to, like, find them in the wild. They have to come to you. Yes, they have to arrive in my world naturally. Um, I can try to hunt them down. I just cannot purchase them. 
Okay. Um, or else, or, who knows what will happen. Oh, oh, all right. <laughs> it's just like a tradition that I have. That it's not <laughs> Halloween unless I find these five candies. Um, and it, I do love, I love M&M peanuts, uh, especially. And every time I hang out, I have a group of friends that I've had since like elementary school. And every time we hang out, somebody always brings like the most ridiculously large bag big bag of Costco purchased <laughs> peanut M&Ms. And I'm always like, no way are we going to eat all of those. And absolutely we do. And usually have to go get some more. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think I've told this story too, but I got really into, I think I was in seventh grade when this happened, somewhere around there, um, when they were like the new color of M&Ms. Oh, vote. right. Mm-hmm. I think it, it was pink, teal, and purple. I wanted teal to get it, but purple won. Purple won. And we'll, we'll be discussing that huh. uh, in the history bit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and then, yeah, I've definitely, I've gone. I've done the tourist thing. I've been to the M&M store in New York. <laughs> I've taken the M&M test there. I'm a brown M&M. What, is, what does that mean? <laughs> oh, I read it, and I remember it being like, I haven't seen what the other tests, like the other colors say. Results are, yeah. Yeah, so I can't say if they're like very different at all, but this one was very, (laughs) the puns were, (laughs) the puns were strong with this one. It was a much like, you're sweet, you know, like a lot of things like that. You've got a hard shell and sweetness inside, which makes me think they're all very similar (laughs) results. Um. And then I do have a very epic pair of M&M shorts. I don't know if you've seen them. I think you have. Um, they're like my favorite pajama shorts. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they, they feature prominently in many what I consider infamous pictures that I've been oh. in. Oh. Like there's one that me my friend, the same group of friends, we take a family photo every year. Oh, uh-huh. And there's one where... The M&M shorts are, you know, just on full display. <laughs> and we recently tried to recreate that photo. <laughs> it was pretty, pretty epic. <laughs> anyway, I love those shorts. <laughs> well, heck yeah. Heck yeah. That's, that's fabulous. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I cannot say that I have as strong of a, of a brand loyalty to M&M's as you do. Um, uh, they're, they're candy. They're fine. Uh, <laughs> if I'm going to grab a like candy bar kind of situation, uh, peanut or almond M&Ms are probably somewhere on the list of something that I might just grab from a convenience store. Cause I feel like because they have actual whole nuts in them, they're like more of a food. Right. I feel like I'm doing something good for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's uh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've definitely, one of my friends from this group has made the argument that it's like, <laughs> it's like getting her protein in the, for the day or something. <laughs> I'm not sure that's how that works, but okay. No, no, but yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, a lot of my, my candies that are in my Halloween lineup do have that kind of element of it's like peanut butter or nuts or something going on in them. Mm-hmm. Um. And I don't eat candy very often, which I know I've discussed before. And some a listener recently reached out to me and was like, I just need to know more. I need you to explain what's going on here. And I was like, okay, I'm happy to explain. <laughs> but it is very exciting. Um, and that being said, we have done past episodes on chocolate, Reese's, which is one of my big candies, Kit Kats, one of them. 
Um, candy corn, not one. <laughs> um, uh-huh. And The Simpsons, kind of, because we talked about Butterfinger BBs in there, and Butterfinger is one of one of my candies. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll also see our episode about sustainability from our Oahu miniseries. Um, and uh, our interview with French Broad Chocolates in Asheville. Yeah. Fun times. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Those were, yeah, the sustainability episode uses chocolate as a sort of case study. Um, mm-hmm. And I will say that um, the sustainability and labor practices behind uh, Mars, which is the company that owns M&M's, are questionable. But that's not <laughs> that's not what this episode is about today. We're, we're kind of focusing on the brand. Um, we can... We can go into gritty details at a at a different date and time. Yes, but not this date and time. Yeah, not today, you guys. <laughs> yeah, not today. Um, uh, we did talk about some of that seven-hour chocolate episode. Is, is uh, absolutely intense for sure. Yeah. Uh, but for now, I guess we should get to our question. M mm-hmm. Ms. What are they? Well, uh, M&M's are a brand of candy consisting of small, uniform, individual dabs of chocolate, sometimes and or other stuff, um, encased in uh, stiff sugar shells that are brightly colored on the outside and then stamped with the serif letter M in edible white ink. Um, Each piece will vary a little bit due to manufacturing, but they're generally uh, uh, oblate spheroids. That is, they are, they are squished spheres that, that taper at their rounded edges um, that weigh a little bit less than a gram a piece and are about a centimeter in diameter. Um, they're uh, they're like a they're like a double sided button made of t- chocolate and sugar. They're they're like they're like two tiny frisbees, um, but the frisbees are sugar, and then you filled them with chocolate. <laughs> I love it. That sounds like something a very excited child would try to like <laughs> explaining to me, you know? <laughs> like frisbees are filled with chocolate. Whoa. <laughs> I feel I felt particularly ridiculous doing this one because I'm like, you know what M&Ms are. Everybody knows what M&Ms are. I have numbers about how everyone heckin' knows what an M&M is um, in our numbers <laughs> section. But at any rate, yeah, that's in case. You have just arrived here on this planet, mm-hmm. and for some heckin' reason, this episode of Savor is the first <laughs> thing you're doing. Well, we appreciate your business, mm-hmm. for one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, just, uh, there's a lot of other stuff out there, we'll say. Uh, but yeah. thank you for joining us. Gosh, mm. right? <laughs> um <laughs> Okay, so uh, so M and M's the the base filling is uh, just just solid milk chocolate, um, but there are all kinds of varieties um, inside that candy shell. Right this very moment, from the M and M's website, you could obtain um, solid milk chocolate, solid dark chocolate, solid white chocolate, solid mint chocolate, um, a whole peanut or almond covered in milk or dark dark or white chocolate, a dab of sweetened peanut butter covered in chocolate, a dab of soft caramels covered in chocolate, a dab of chewy fudge covered in chocolate, a little bit of pretzel or crisped rice that's either plain or flavored with things like cocoa or popcorn butter? Hmm. Question mark? (laughs) Covered in chocolate? Um, 
They also come in minis, which are like half the size of a normal M&M, maybe a little bit less. Um, And the company also sells baking bits, which are a little bit smaller than that still. Um, Other seasonal flavors will come up from time to time. I think there's like a cookies and cream one right now for Halloween. I've seen like key lime pie or strawberry cheesecake or like red velvet, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, The standard shell colors are currently, check me on this, I think this is accurate, red green, yellow, blue, orange, and brown. I believe that is correct. I think that's right. (sighs) (laughs) Listeners, listeners will let us know if we are incorrect. Yeah, yeah. I I was too lazy to walk down to the convenience store near me (laughs) and buy a package of M&Ms to check. I mean, that's a good question, though. I wonder, what if, is it possible to not get one of the colors in a bag? Well, okay, so statistically speaking, <laughs> I've I've read <laughs> I've read differing numbers for for what is supposed to be in every bag versus um what actually winds up being in every bag. So, I'm not sure. Statistics is weird. <laughs> Statistics is is yes. is weird wibbly wobbly timey wimey kind of stuff. Mm, um mm-hmm. but so so I didn't I didn't pull the numbers for that. It's a question that is beyond me. Um <laughs> Uh, the standard packaging size is right around like 1.75 ounces. That's right around 50 grams, which, um, is in competition with the standard, uh, size of chocolate bars in general. But yeah, you can get much larger bags of loose candies, or you can get like big bags filled with tiny bags to hand out at Halloween or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. The company that makes them, Mars, uh, now offers all kinds of specialty orders and personalization, including non-standard shell colors um, and printed designs, including your own personalized text or line art or grayscale photos that you can upload and have printed onto M&Ms. Different packaging, like, you know, if you want special little bags of M&Ms at your party for whatever occasion, you can do that. Uh, And the candies are made. By uh, first making chocolate, which involves brief rundown, um, uh, uh, roasting the seeds of the cacao plant, grinding them into this oily liquid called chocolate liqueur, um, and then blending that with things like milk and milk products and stabilizers and cocoa butter and flavorings. That's your milk chocolate, okay? Uh, you keep this in a, in a warm liquid state and pour it into tiny molds, um, and then those little pieces are cooled to firm up. They're tumbled until they're smooth and then cooled again to set. Once they're set, they're, they're panned in this big rotating drum while being sprayed with candy coating uh, made, made of liquid sugar and corn syrup at timed intervals on again and off again. Um, the off cycles allow each new spraying of the candy coating to, to, to dry and firm up. Several coats are applied and then a final coating containing food dye and some like gloss kind of um, is sprayed on. And once that dries, they're sifted onto this conveyor belt that has a wee little indentation for each piece of candy. And then they're run under these rubber rollers that gently, gently, gently print the M onto each candy. They are then (laughs) packaged and sold. I know, right? I also love that you included the font because I, you know, I love a good font. I love font <laughs> facts. It's a weird thing I do when I'm drunk where I'm like, that's Futura. I, um. I could not, I could not find the name of the designer who came up with the, because, because it is, it is a, a, a specially drawn uh, font mm-hmm. that is used for the M's and, and the ampersand. 
Um, but uh, but it is very similar to a font. Oh, and I didn't write it down um, that Adobe offers. Anyway. <laughs> I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll get on okay. the case. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, what about the nutrition? Uh, it's, it's a candy. It's a treat. Uh, you know, they're kind of nutritionally dense with fats and sugars. They will fill you up, but will not keep you going. Um, you know, like I said, the ones with peanuts or almonds in them are a little bit more nutritionally complex. They've got a little bit of protein and fiber from the nuts in there. Treats are nice. Eat treats if you like them. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Especially around Halloween. Yes. <laughs> we do have some numbers for you. Oh, we do. This first one is confusing, though. I know. It's weird and wacky. So... Over 400 million M&Ms are made every day are, like, way more than that. <laughs> because I also saw another number that said 2 billion every eight hours. What? Um, yeah. Huh. So the numbers vary wildly. I, I suspect either, like, total, like, misreporting shenanigans on mm -hmm. that d discrepancy or... Or that it's like something like like total possible capacity versus average output or numbers like before or after different factories opened or maybe the number that's sold every eight hours versus the number that's yeah. produced. Um, I also read 100 million uh, being produced every every day, but that was, I think, um, circa like 1997 or maybe 2000. Mm. So jury is out on that. Yeah, it's a lot of M&M's. A lot of M&M's. I'll say, well, we can say that. We could say that. Safely. <laughs> safely say a bunch. Yes, More a than bunch. two. More than two. Mm-hmm. And they were uh, one of the top-ranked candies in the U.S. in 2017, raking in almost $689 million worth of sales. Uh, according to candystore.com data from 2019, M&M's were the third most popular candy come Halloween. Uh, some sources report it takes the Mars company two years to prepare for Halloween. And I'm like, well, then are they not always just <laughs> in a right. perpetual state, state of preparing? Of, yeah. Huh. Which they might be. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, according to YouGov, 99% uh, of Americans recognize the M&M's brand and 84% like them. Um, and, uh, the one percent is like babies <laughs> <laughs> or even babies like, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Here's, here's, here's a specific one. Um, the volume of your average single piece of, uh, of, of milk chocolate M&M. Um, is 0 0.636 cubic centimeters. And when you pour a bunch of these at, randomly, just, just, just pour them into a container, they will fill approximately 68% of that container space. So if you are ever trying to guess the number of M&Ms in a container, you can estimate the volume of the container, put that into cubic centimeters, multiply that by 0.68, and then divide it by uh, 0.636. Easy. Easy peasy. 
I love it. I love someone figured this out. <laughs> this is the kind I've said. This is what I used to do. I did it in a much more simple way. <laughs> but I would count like around the, the ring yeah. around the edge. Yeah. Count how many up and mm-hmm. then estimate. And, and I usually won. I usually won. <laughs> Got to take home a pumpkin. That usually rotted because we did it on October 1st or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't and last too warm <laughs> in Georgia. Right. Sure, yeah. Well. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I did want to include this just because it kind of cracks me up. And when I was researching this, it did come up. Um, M&Ms are frequently a part of celebrities' writers, so like their contracts, Mm -hmm. or at least an example of how to make sure people are reading your contract. Mm -hmm. And like the example usually given is only green M&Ms. In my dressing room. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then if they don't, read it, it's like a sign that they haven't read it if they don't mention the green M&M thing. But apparently sometimes that's just what got signed and so it had to, you had to provide only green M&Ms for certain celebrities. So, woo. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I'm yeah, I'm not I'm not sure if it's a total urban legend or not, but if you if you were if you were finding it in your reading, then heck yeah. Um uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh Apparently, the M&M's store in London is the world's largest candy store with four floors and 35,000 square feet of space. Dang. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, how did we get to here? (laughs) Oh, uh, there is a bunch of interesting history, and we are going to get into that after we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) Westholm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholme.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm-hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, 
I want that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a saver team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No Me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Uh, So... Super briefly, chocolate. Um, uh-huh. We have chocolate as we know it today because um, South and Central Americans developed cacao for millennia, and then colonizers brought ground cacao back to Europe. And then in the mid-1800s, European candy makers uh, developed the process of separating cacao solids from cacao fats and then recombining them, um, often with additives like sugar and dairy products, into chocolate. Then, in the late 1800s, one Milton Hershey saw a chocolate statue (laughs) at the 1983 Chicago World Expo. And he was like, huh, and decided Mm -hmm. to try manufacturing it himself and uh, was making chocolate bars by 1904. Uh, But (laughs) M&Ms. Yes. Um, So let's start with the M's behind M&Ms. Okay. Okay, Newark Company founder Forrest E. Mars and son of Hershey Chocolates president Bruce Murray. So Mars had this big blowout with his father, who was the founder of the Mars Candy Company. And so he decided to try to go make it on his own, leave his dad behind, Hmm. get his own thing. Um, In 1932, he moved to England with the goal of starting his own confectionery company. Candy Lore tells us that during a visit to Spain during the Spanish Civil War, Mars witnessed soldiers eating candies that consisted of chocolate encased in a hard sugar shell. 
Um, and this intrigued him because chocolate melting during the summer was a problem for most candy makers. And I know we've talked about that in a lot of our candy yeah. or even like confection episodes. Yeah, like problem. the Tootsie Roll episode. Sure. Um, yeah, because right, like like no one had air conditioning then. Um, refrigeration was still coming up. So it was harder to make chocolate set up during hot summers. It was hard to store it. Um, sales dropped every year during the warm seasons for these reasons. Yeah, which is fascinating now because to me that's like – you know, prime kids are looking yeah. for treats on the beach or whatever. Right? Time. Sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Mars took and or stole this idea, yeah. depending on who's writing, reporting it, um, and ran with it. Um, because also English company Roundtrees of York released hard-shelled Smarties in 1937. So some people think that might have been the inspiration and maybe he kind of stole the idea hmm. from, from them. Um, whatever the case. In the 1940s, Mars returned to the U.S. and founded M&M's Limited in Newark, New Jersey, building a factory, refining the process, and patenting it. By 1941, the public could get their hands on M&M's plain chocolate candies. Um, oh, yeah, they could, but it was a bit a bit of a mess, and we'll get into that in a second. Yeah. Um, he made a strategic decision to join forces with Bruce Murray, taking into account his connections to the Hershey Chocolate Company, which turned out to be wise during World War II when there was chocolate rationing and Hershey dominated the chocolate market. The candies were made with Hershey chocolate and Marie got a 20% stake until Mars bought them out in 1949 for $1 million. So the candy first came in an easily transportable cardboard tube and they were seen as a way to eat chocolate in harsher conditions. Um, just like warmer conditions. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, at first they were primarily only available to American soldiers because it's like 1941 and then this chocolate rationing hits. And then we've got soldiers over there. So the Newark factory produced about 200,000 pounds per week when this was all happening. And a lot of that did go overseas to soldiers. And because of that, M&M's gained a following amongst American soldiers fighting in World War II And they brought that loyalty and love back with them when they returned home after the war. And then after that, M&M's became, once again, more available at large. And then you've got, like, these soldiers talking it up and people Mm. were really into Uh the (laughs) M&M's. And uh, M&M's became so popular by the 1950s that the company came up with the idea of putting a stamp of authenticity On each candy, so you would know the real M&M. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, a black M with, uh, and they had this whole slogan called, look for the M on every piece <laughs> as a part of this campaign. In 1954, the M changed from black to white, and M&M peanut chocolate candies were introduced. The first animated M&M characters appeared that year as well, and the slogan, melts in your mouth, not your hands, also appeared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, in the 1960s, the brand developed M&M's fruit chews, which later developed into Starburst. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. Um, that all, Also in that decade, they were offered in red, green, and yellow, but I did, I think, it gets all, once again, depending on what source you're reading, <laughs> this color conundrum can get quite tricky. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And speaking of. Ah. Yes. Red M&Ms went by the wayside in the 1970s after a Russian study suggested red dye number two was carcinogenic. Ah. Mm-hmm. Following tests 
failed to prove this out, but still the FDA banned it in 1976. And even though red M&Ms actually didn't contain red dye number two, the company swapped out red M&Ms with orange ones. Red M&Ms didn't return onto the scene until 1982 when a University of Tennessee undergrad named Paul Heffman created the Society for the Restoration and Preservation of Red (laughs) M&Ms. This sounds like something I would do. Twist and fills. Um, Oh, gosh. Yes, and it involved a whole spoof junk mail campaign telling recipients that a lifetime membership would cost only 99 cents. Mm. (laughs) And only a year after that, Heffman got a letter from the PR manager at M&M's Mars. At (laughs) M&M Mars, yeah. (laughs) And four years after that, red M&M's were back in circulation, though orange did not go away. Huh, okay, Mm -hmm. okay. Uh, M&M's were the first candy to go to space, In the 1980s, both the plain and peanut varieties were chosen as the official snack foods of the Olympic Games Uh in 1984. M&M's went international in the 80s as well. In 1988, President Ronald Reagan wrote the Mars Company requesting custom boxes, and his request was granted. And I I found that fact as a part of a larger article asking why M&M's were such a big deal at the White House. And uh, I read it, and I decided not to expound upon it, but this is still a thing. Oh. This whole custom M&M White okay. House thing. Huh. hmm Peanut butter M&Ms were introduced in 1989. Tan M&Ms. Okay, this, this is what confused me, because I found a lot of nostalgic articles for tan M&Ms, and then I couldn't really figure out when they were introduced. Um, or when they were taken. Right, yeah, yeah. So, okay. But, but, but they were yeah. removed in 95. Yes. Yes, and they were replaced with blue. Right. But, yeah, these people are, like, almost with their red M&M, kind of a similar thing. Like, bring back my tan tan M&Ms. Yeah, but I don't, like, I was alive when there were tan M&Ms, and I don't remember. I I, I remember them, and I remember the hubbub when they were taken away. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) A hubbub, you say? Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hot hot debates in the lunchroom. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, for some reason, this color thing really does seem to draw a lot of attention, ire, and passion. Mm-hmm. Um, M&M minis were introduced in 1997. The first M&M's World, a.k.a. I think most people, or maybe I, I call it the M&M store, um, opened that year as well. The Times Square location opened in 2006, which for some reason, I just thought it's always been there. (laughs) Or like at least, (laughs) I don't know, longer than that. I mean, I guess that's a decent amount of time, but huh. Uh, Yes, and several other locations followed after that, including in Orlando and London. The animated characters we know um, were introduced in a more consistent manner in part to jumpstart the candy's flagging popularity in 1995 or perhaps 1997 again, one of those years. Mm-hmm. Um, the red, yellow, blue, and green characters all debuted at the same time. All but green were male, and green was sexy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. And apparently, this is in part due to a 1970s rumor that green M&Ms were an aphrodisiac. <laughs> What? 
I think this is like an urban legend more than like an actual rumor, but I don't mm. know. I, I wasn't there. I, I couldn't tell you. Um, <laughs> There's uh, a Snopes article if you want to look into oh, it, listeners. Um, this modern iteration of the uh, M&M's animated characters were originally uh, uh, red and yellow are the two main characters, and originally John Lovitz and John Goodman voiced them respectively. Um, later, the roles were taken over by uh, Billy West and J.K. Simmons. West, if you're unfamiliar with his name, um, is the voice of, like, everyone on Futurama, basically, and also, <laughs> like, everyone on Ren and Stimpy, um, lots of other things. Simmons uh, has long been J. Jonah Jameson on screen um, mm-hmm. and lots of other film and voice work. Uh, he, won an, he won an Oscar in 2014, I believe, which I think makes him the only Eminem. To have won an Oscar. Wow. About time. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't for his work as an m M&M. <laughs> I'm sure it uh, helped, though. I'm sure, sure it helped. helped. Of course. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Mars died a billionaire in 1995. Oh, and that vote for the new color of M&Ms that I mentioned, that took place in 2002. Okay. Over 10 million people cast their votes between purple, aqua, and pink. Purple was the winner by a pretty hmm. a pretty decent margin and then aqua and then pink. Also, like, that is a big number, but if my memory serves, you could vote, like, once a day. Oh, wow. And I was voting, okay. like, once a day. Wow. Huh. <laughs> and if I'm also not mistaken, there is no longer a purple M&M, right? <laughs> So um, we got all into it, and then <laughs> uh, it, it, it's it, it survives as one of those like specialty colors that you can special right. order. But no, it's not in the main mix. That's yeah, that's true. And I mean, they do change up the colors for like you can get those pastel Easter ones, yeah, and, yeah your Halloween ones. That's yeah. true. But I remember I was mad about it. I was like, but we voted. But we voted. It was a whole thing. Turns out it was marketing all along. <laughs> It was marketing all along, and I fell for it. Hook, line, and sinker. Every day on my slow internet connection. Come on, Aqua. Uh, Anyway. Uh, (laughs) My M&M's launched in 2004, which is this online service that allows folks to choose custom messages to print on M&M's, yes. They upped the game even more in 2008 um, when they launched My Faces, allowing for uploaded images to be printed on M&M's. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, also in 2004, um, when my M&M's was launching, this, this paper came out in the journal Science that, bear with me for a second, it explored how spheroids and ellipsoids are much better at packing into a space randomly than perfect spheres are. I bring this up because the research was directly inspired by M&M's. Oh, I'm I'm all in. Okay. I want to hear all about this. All right. All right. Well, you're in luck because I have a long tangent. Um, yes. <laughs> okay. So, so, the way that particles and larger objects fit into spaces has been of scientific curiosity for, for centuries, um, both on a, on a macro, like, practical level of figuring out how to package stuff for, for storage and transport and sale, like, um, like, say, storing grain in a silo or in barrels or in soft bags, all right? Um, but also on the more micro level of observing how molecules interact with each other in, say, glass or ceramics or, or heck, in like, in, like, ketchup or shampoo bottles. So, 
when poured randomly into a container, um, not like carefully fit in there, just poured randomly on in, spheres will slide around each other and occupy about 64% of the space of the container. Mm -hmm. This study found that M&Ms, which are, again, an oblate spheroid, um, when poured randomly, will occupy about 68% of a container. Then these researchers modeled out an ellipsoid, uh, sort of like an almond M&M, and it occupied over 74% of the space when randomly poured. If you're working with perfect spheres and you pack them into a space in a perfect, ordered, crystalline arrangement, you only get 74% of the space filled. Oh my goodness! Kepler, none less than Kepler, predicted that in the 1500s. It took us until 1998 to prove him right. And all of this is so fascinating because, like, uh, well, all right, all right. On one level, you might be thinking, well, sure, spheres are kind of an awkward shape to pack into anything. Of course, something with sort of stretched corners is going to pack into a space better. But having the math to prove it is really cool um, because... This research helped us understand how particles with these different shapes slide and push around each other like like little levers and and then settle up next to each other with lots of points of contact with their surrounding neighbors. And this has implications for everything from from how you get a non-Newtonian fluid like ketchup out of a bottle um, to how you make a, a, a stronger, less porous ceramic material. And this is a food show. Um, (laughs) The research was inspired by this physics professor at Princeton who tended to have for his lunch a bag of M&Ms and a cup of coffee instead of a real lunch. And it became like this running joke with his students. Like at one point he was surprised with a 55-gallon drum mostly (laughs) filled with M&Ms in his office. Uh, And one day, uh, he created this apparatus to to measure how spheres pack into things, and he asked one of his students to try it with M&Ms. And they did it better than spheres. And, like, they did an MRI of the container to make sure that there wasn't, like, accidental crystalline structures forming. They created the software to model out different shapes. It is, it is delightful. That is so wonderful. I love, like, this just curiosity of, that, that like, kind of intersection of science and curiosity where you're like, huh. What about, <laughs> what about <laughs> m Yeah. Let's get out of the MRI. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so cool. Um, the, the press release uh, about all of this from Princeton contained the disclaimer, um, M&M is a registered trademark of Mars Incorporated. The company has no financial ties to the research, although it did donate 125 pounds of almond M&Ms to the professor. <laughs> <laughs> it was all a, a plan, a scheme to get some M&Ms. I see you. Respect. <laughs> oh. oh. I feel like that would be so great if you were watching something like True Detective mm-hmm. and Matthew McConaughey starts talking about oblate spheroids or something. <laughs> and then it takes you like a full minute before you were like, are you talking about m and Are you talking about heck and M&M's, my dude? <laughs> and he's like, yes. And then explains how it relates to the meaningless of life in our universe. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Let me just eat my M&M's in peace. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. Um, 
<laughs> uh, back to our timeline. In yes. 2008, uh, M&M's brand started sponsoring a NASCAR team. Yes, I, I believe I have seen that car. It's got mm-hmm. a lot of brightly colored M&M's on it. It does. It does. Uh-huh. The M&M character Mrs. Brown made her big debut during the 2012 Super Bowl. Ms. Brown, I believe. Oh, oh, <laughs> excuse me. Uh-huh, oh, uh-huh. <laughs> Voiced by no less than Vanessa Williams. Um. <laughs> In 2017, M&M caramel candies were launched. So there's still, yeah, innovation oh, yeah. going on. Sure. And what they can put in m ms <laughs> <laughs> Well, watch the future with excitement. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Maybe one day my peanut m ms will be dethroned, but I doubt it. I think oh. a big part of candy is nostalgia. Absolutely. Yeah, especially yeah. surrounding like a holiday like Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, and I was just thinking about how a lot of the candies I like that I liked from a kid and that are the ones I try to get now are all very brightly colored oh, in their huh. packaging. Yeah. Um, and and it's interesting with M&M's because it's like the peanut ones has the yellow package and the regular ones has the brown package and, you know, they just separate. Out. Yeah. But for me, it's that like yellow package. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very, it's very flashy. Those, mm-hmm. oh, those marketing kids knew what they were doing. They did. They did once again. Hook, line, and sinker, they got me. <laughs> they got me. I was burned, and yet I didn't learn my lesson once again. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> well, I suppose that's what we have to say about M&Ms for now. It is. It is. Um, We do have some listener mail for you, though. We do, but first we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, West Holm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) West Holm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia, and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? 
Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm -hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a savor team trip together. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go. And I'm hungry. No me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com governance. IBM. Let's create. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Listener. Fall wind. The dark night. (laughs) (laughs) The chill in the air. (laughs) My horror movie rotation is already like, (laughs) I've taken off. Oh, goodness. I mean, I kind of, I kind of never stop, but yeah, yeah. I don't either, but I do have, you know, the the classics. Oh, that, okay. Like Halloween, sure. Ramping up. I see you. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lita wrote, "I was listening to your episode about Merlot and the listener mail about a pancake corn dog unlocked a memory for me. In elementary school, we would get breakfast for lunch a few times a week. Sometimes it was French toast sticks. Once a month, we'd get a funnel cake." Really not sure how that was allowed, but a lot of times it was the breakfast version of a corn dog. Like the listener mail, the outside was a pancake, but the inside was a breakfast sausage instead of a hot dog, and we would dip the whole thing in syrup. Mm. It was amazing. <laughs> would definitely recommend. Also, as I listened to the corn dog episode, one phrase popped into my mind corn dog nuggets. I went to Virginia Tech, and one of the dining halls, Deets, was open late at night, and they had corn dog nuggets. It's basically what it sounds like, bite-sized versions of a corn dog, but without the sticks. 
Definitely one of those things you get at 1 a.m. after enjoying some beverages. <laughs> I liked them on occasion, but my friends were obsessed. Anyways, thanks for prompting me on a trip down memory lane. Ah, I love how, again, these foods have these, it does so often take you back to a specific time and place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've seen that kind of pancake breakfast sausage syrup thing at like fast food places. Hmm. I could be wrong. Um, and also, yeah, my they, I love these foods that get a cult following at uh, <laughs> like college campuses. Sure, sure. But there was one at um, Georgia Tech called Chocolate Love. And I mean, chocolate you would hear. Love? You would hear the whispers in the air, Lauren, when Chocolate Love was being served. (laughs) Everyone, like, make their way to the dining hall. What was Chocolate Love? (laughs) It was, like, (laughs) it was just kind of a, um, but it was, like, what I would call almost um, a caramel chocolate turtle. So, like, pecans and caramel and chocolate, but it was layered. Uh So, almost, like, it was a weird combination of, like, that minus the fudge. Plus the chocolate cake. Oh, <laughs> but also okay. Warm. Huh. It was good. Wow. Was, I mean, but it, it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Huh. I, I might be misremembering. So if anyone happens to know what I'm talking about, because I'm not that huge into sweets and I don't like caramel. So chocolate, like I I was all for it, but I was yeah. I usually was going for. Yeah. But I bet if anybody went to tech and you can tell us what it is, I would love. Huh. <laughs> Oh, that's fascinating. There's like one person that made it too. So yeah, I was like, of oh, she's working tonight. Maybe she'll maybe, make it. Maybe the chocolate love. Yeah. Right. Um, huh. Yeah. I I missed out on a lot of that culture because I never I never had a meal plan um, in college, um, and I never had uh, uh, the school lunch in in high school. So um, uh, yeah, I never I never gained those you know personal affiliations with those kinds of foods. Um, but huh. Huh. Oh, indeed. Yeah. Oh, and I do love a corn pup. Um, th- those corn dog nuggets. Uh, yeah. Round, round about here, or at least where I have seen them, they're usually called corn pups. And oh yeah. Uh, for some reason, like a whole corn dog, I'm like, are you kidding? Why would I want that? Like maybe three corn pups. I'm like, definitely, I will eat that. <laughs> I wonder if it has something to do with like the the ratio going on. Oh, I'm sure. Something. I'm positive mm-hmm. there's something like that. Or yeah. or right, right, the 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 different levels of crispiness or like the the surface area and the dippability. I'm not sure. Uh-huh. I'm not sure. Many factors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, um, Bob wrote. I'm back in the UK, and yesterday when my plans for paragliding in the south of England were thwarted by the weather there, I elected instead to travel to the west from London to Reading in search of the Forbury Park mulberry tree that Lauren mentioned in your mulberry episode to find out what had become of it, hoping to be able to send her happy news and photos of it having been saved after its collapse. Alas, this was not the case. Attached instead are some pictures of its remains. Sorry, Lauren. (laughs) Oh, no. sorry, indeed. <laughs> so the pictures are like of a just kind of husk of a tree trunk. Yeah. And it's got like a, a, a fence around it. Oh. <laughs> it looks nice. It's got a little memorial plaque. Uh, well, so it lives on. It lives in other on. Ways. It lives on. I went looking for, for pictures. This was so long ago. I went looking for some pictures. I'll, maybe I'll post some memorial pictures on... <laughs> 
Yes, to the mulberry tree. <laughs> On social media somewhere. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. thank you. Thank you for looking, Bob. I appreciate that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and thanks to both of them for writing to us. Mm-hmm. If you would like to write to us, we would love to hear from you. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. And you can find us on the aforementioned social media um, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SaverPod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top ten for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And... Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have supervision, enhanced hearing, extraordinary reflexes, to be, dare we say, superhuman? Well, Roku's new Pro Series TV can't do any of that for you. But with a 4K screen, side-firing speakers, and a blazing fast refresh rate, it'll sure feel like it. Elevate your entertainment using all your favorite apps like iHeart and play all your music, radio, and podcasts with the new Roku Pro Series. Your senses aren't better. Your TV is. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.